This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. back on inside the black and gold yeah there's some uh there's some fun comments in there about my uh about my my fall uh there a second ago i feel old um let's see let's 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 uh let's go through we got errol errol saying what the hell is going on it's too bad your emoji didn't come through but yeah uh that was uh you know the funny thing is like i this <laughs> so i i got the call and i had to unmute myself because apparently when you get a call and you just don't take it it mutes you, but I have to turn the camera around to unmute myself. <laughs> so I went up to fix that, and then <laughs> the chair slid out. So, but when I unmuted myself, that's when this ball happened. So, like, if I hadn't unmuted myself, y'all would have never known what happened. I would just be sitting here in pain. But I'm glad you at least got some entertainment value out of that. The dark side says life alert. Yeah, I, I probably I probably should get that anyway. I'm Jeff Nowak. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna go through the mailbag here. We're gonna get through some stuff. Uh, first, Carl Marky Mark says. I don't know what I hate most. DA and Pete's incompetence, Loomis gaslighting us, or the fact that ownership seems totally checked out. Future looks bleak. I don't think the ownership is any different than the ownership has ever been in the sense that they're going to let the decision makers make the decisions. So, like, I don't, again, like, I don't, I don't see Gail's role as being the issue here. More so, I think, you know, the, the way you have managed this whole situation over the last few years has put you in a position where there are limited routes to improvement. Like there, you don't have a ton of draft picks that you've stored up. You don't have the luxury of saying, well, we'll trade this guy off. We'll trade this guy off. We'll trade off this veteran. We'll trade off this veteran because you've restructured all their deals. So their, their contracts are a not attractive to a lot of other teams and B when they're not on your roster, that cap hit accelerates. So you get it immediately. So it's, it's just a very, it's a very, narrow road where your decisions are aren't like you know take a take a u-turn your decisions are take a slightly bare left slightly bare right does that make sense 
And, and that's, and that's the frustration for a lot of people. And I understand it, you know, for, from Mickey Lewis perspective, you know, I think people misunderstand where he's just not going to pull the rug out from under someone, but I, I assure you that he's fully aware of you know the situation that his team is in. And it's just that. Um, and yeah, from DA and Pete, it did feel, you know, and it's like, yeah, did, did it not feel like there was a pretty significant coaching mismatch in that game? Like in terms of the talent on the field, you feel like these teams should have been reasonably easily matched. I mean, I'm sorry, evenly matched. So what was the biggest difference? They both had four days to prepare. One team had to fly a few hours, you know, a few hundred miles west. But, you know, they both both these teams only had four days. So why did the Rams plan seem so much better established and, and well thought out and effective than the Saints plan was? I'll leave it at that. But it was not it was not pretty. And uh, it does. Yeah, the future does not look great. And there's some tough decisions that are going to be made here. Team Mama was in SoFi. Says in the Saints truly look bad. I'm telling you, SoFi was rocking and had DA shook. See, I, I, I don't think that stadium was particularly. I don't think that stadium was ever particularly loud, right? Even on its worst day, the Superdome is ten times as loud as that building. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't think the crowd noise was a factor, right? I do think it's funny that the Rams' catchphrase is "Whose house?" Rams house because they don't even that's not even they're not even the only football team that plays in that building there were fans cheering that on the way out as they were stripping the midfield logo to replace it with the other team that plays there so whose house is it <laughs> I just think that's funny but no I mean SoFi is a beautiful building I kind of hate it in the sense that everything about LA and I'm here right now so I can speak from experience I don't like this city I really don't everything's about aesthetics including this chair that is that is super awkward to the point that it slides out from under you when you stand up and 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 makes you fall down like everything about this city is built to look pretty but not actually be functional and that's the same thing with sofi it's a five billion dollar stadium where it rains inside <laughs> it's like a half mile walk to anything you want to get to even to get picked up from that stadium i had to walk i don't know at least a mile away just so someone could so i could get in a car and drive away it's just it, like it's a pretty stadium Nothing about it is nice. Uh, anyway, like that's not what we're here to talk about, but I just had to get that off my chest. I do not like LA. There's like three great cities in America. New Orleans is one of them. I don't count LA. The dark side, 35 total rushing yards is why the Saints lost and DA going for an onside kick down one possession with three. I don't know if we talked about the onside kick. I disagreed with it completely. I understand the logic in that you have to stop them either way. And you didn't. So if you didn't stop them at the 50, why would you assume that you would have stopped them at their own, whatever, 25, 20, whatever it was? Yeah, maybe you, maybe you pin them a little further back, but it's a kickoff. So it's, you know, you can fair catch a kickoff and get it at the 25. So there's really not a ton of ways that you could have reliably gotten them further back than the 25. It's not like a punt where you could say, you know, the fourth down decisions where you could say, well, we could have pinned them and given our defense a chance to go against their offense while they'd be a little more conservative. That's not the situation on a kickoff. So at best, you're looking at the 25. I still think you should have kicked it deep because I do think they would have been more conservative inside their own territory than they were at the 50. The logic that you use is, well, if we don't go for the onside kick, we lose a free opportunity to take the ball away and we still have the chance to stop them. That's the logic. I don't think it's, a, it's good logic because even if you got the ball, 
you would have probably scored with too much time on the clock. And I think at the end of the day, it's just such an indictment on this defense and the fact that you don't think that you can get the ball back for your offense. You could have had three timeouts. I'm pretty sure you still wouldn't have got the ball back. And that's the biggest frustration to me. It's, it's not necessarily like, I don't like the decision, but I'm more frustrated by the fact that you don't think this defense can get a stop. And that's been the case in multiple games this season. Same thing happened against the Falcons, right? Same thing happened against the Lions. You got to be able to get a stop and they just can't, they can't do it. They can't do it in big moments. Um, and, you know, again, it's like you can be frustrated with Derek Carr and I am frustrated with Derek Carr. I'm frustrated with the offense. I'm frustrated with everything. But again, you went into this season thinking one of the reasons that I, I was on board to some extent with the idea of saying, okay, we're going to bring in a quarterback and we're going to go for this thing is that the defense was supposed to be an elite unit. And it's not, it's just not. And like, obviously not having Marshawn, who I would argue was the best player on your entire football team is, is not helping, but he's not the one who's supposed to get a three down stop when they're, they're just going to run the ball. No, like that's just, that's unacceptable. And, and to me, it's like one of the, you kept DA around because you know, you, this is kind of the golden age of saints defense at least in the modern era, like not the, you know, the dome patrol was a dome patrol, but like in the, in the last two decades, right. This is the first time you've looked at the defense of the saints and been like, you know what, that's, that's an elite unit, but they just haven't been this year. And, and that to me has been the biggest failure of this team. And you look at the aging pieces, you look at the fact that you've let pieces get away. You've missed on so many draft picks, multiple first round picks, that have either been hurt or just have been ineffective, right? And uh, that's where if, 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 you're, if you're trying to get me on board for the tear it down thing, for I don't care what it costs, I don't care what you have to do, I want to start fresh, I think to me it's, it's not necessarily about the offensive side of the ball. It's about the fact that you can't play complementary football with that defense playing the way it did yesterday. And so, like, yeah – I just don't see the routes to success that I did at the beginning of the year, because at the beginning of the year, a lot of my logic was based on, you know, like this offense might not be perfect. Right. But if it just needs to be good enough for the defense to win you games, that is not the case. And so uh, if you're looking for me to say I was wrong, I was wrong. Hemisphere says no game planning. The saints have to fire DA and Carmichael and get them a head coach. Saints will not win games with his coaching staff. They got to go. I, I mean, I, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see what happens these final two weeks. Right. Uh, because there is a scenario where the, the hand of the Saints is forced to this point. You've seen a team battle. You have seen the team continue to fight. And when you're weighing whether to fire a head coach or not, that's a big factor. Right. Like, I don't think the Chargers were going to fire Brandon Staley until you go out and lose 63 to 14 to the Raiders. Right. Like that's those types of performances speed up that clock in your head where there is value in consistency. And there, the question is, when does that value no longer breed success? When does that, when does going, keeping the status quo work against you? And that is when players quit on you, when the performances are not just, are not just not winning performances, but are embarrassing performances. And you are very close to that in this game it was a trip out West. It was a situation where you're not necessarily going to put your best foot forward, 
But even by those standards, I don't think that's acceptable. That's not an acceptable excuse in this game. So I think, you know, I don't know where the front office was in terms of the DA decision, the, the fire the coaches, the rebuild everything decision going into this game. I don't know how close they were to that, to pulling that lever, but you definitely got closer um, in this game. And, and like I said, it was always going to be get to the end of the season and make those decisions. But like you, the, the, the results on the field were going to be a factor. And, and that's where this result, this performance, you know, when you're going through it at the end of the year and you're looking at like, wow, can we, can we do this again? This is going to be the game you point to and be like, guys, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Shane O'Mac says, Jeff, what was the energy like on the sideline and in the locker room? It wasn't good. I mean, uh, you know, you're down 30 to seven in the, in the fourth quarter, it's not going to be great energy. You know, I didn't see, you know, the, the only, the only player that I saw visibly angry, visibly, you know, w- w- you know, having people have to come over to him and, and give him pep talks and stuff was Alante Taylor. Cause he got benched. He was sitting on the, on the bench. Uh, interesting. Right next to Derek Carr, which, you know, it's not where you would. So, Typically what happens during, you know, a defensive series is all the defensive players are up on the sideline, like getting you know ready in case they get to go in or whatever. Um, the defense was on the field and Alonte was sitting next to the quarterbacks. And so it's like, okay, he's not dealing with an injury. He doesn't even, he doesn't have a helmet. He's not getting ready to go in. He's benched. He got benched for Ugo Amati and, and it was per, per, poor performance. DA said he got beat with his eyes a few times and it was something they talked about going in. I'm sure that was a, that was a thing. It was like a point of emphasis you know, there's a lot of eye candy. You can't, you can't eat the eye candy, right? You can't get baited by stuff. And I think he did too many times. And so he got sat down. Um, he was there for several minutes. Jonathan Abram came over at one point and gave him kind of a pep talk, was pretty animated, you know. And I think that, you know, after that point, D.A. Elanti got up and kind of re-engaged on the sideline. That was probably the, the only noticeable, man, this is rough kind of moment. But anytime you're down by that much, you're not going to see a ton of a ton of positive emotions. You know, everyone's angry. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 low energy, man. It's low energy. The locker room clears out after that. Uh, I talked to Ike Adam. He's still gonna he's still staying positive, and in part because you know, for him, this is a, still a big season for him, right? Like he's, uh, I think he, he he has opportunities here. He's got an opportunity. I think he's showed well. Cam Jordan was, was very, very disappointed in this performance as he should be, you know, and, and uh, I think that's kind of what you're asking about And Yeah. I mean, it's not good. Right. And so you have 10 days, you come back and I am interested to see how the team looks when they come back, because I think it's very possible that you get an ugly performance in week 16 or I'm sorry, week 17 against the bucks. Cause I, I don't think this is the game that gets DA fired, but these final two weeks, if you come out and you get and you get your ass handed to you by two teams that you should be competitive against, I think that's the nail. I think that's the final nail, personally. But we'll see. Bubba says Trevor Lawrence is likely out for that game. Jaguars are not going to win without him. He's questionable, so he's not ruled out. So you know, I, I think it's probably unlikely that he plays. And I don't think C.J. Beathard's going to walk into Tampa and win that game. Uh, so yeah, I mean that's that's probably the only chance the Saints have to make the postseason now is if the Jaguars can hand the Bucks a loss because then you get back to the point where you can win your final two games and get in. But it's not a not a not a not a what I would look at as a uh I as a be very hopeful about this scenario because of what you're talking about because Trevor Lawrence is likely gonna play the dark side. 
don't give me that. It was garbage time crap. It was 353 left in the game, down by eight, just get one stop. DA epic fail with the onside kick. It was garbage time. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, you're down 30 to seven with six minutes to go. It was garbage time. You know, the Rams let you back into the game. The block punt, you know, is probably one of the only things the Saints have done well is block punts, even though they don't technically have credit for a block punt. Uh, it was garbage time. You know, sometimes garbage time can yield some some chances, and that's why you don't give up. But don't don't tell me that those two touchdown throws were were part of the competitive part of that game because they weren't. I'm sorry, they weren't. You know, they were nice throws. They were nice plays. But where was that in the first half? Right? That's why it's garbage time. That's why it's not – that's why you don't look at that and say, oh, well, Derek played well. Because you watched the first half. <laughs> you know? You know, I think, I think one of the things that this team has frustrated me more with anything else is, like, you need to be more aggressive downfield. And when they were aggressive downfield, they, they made positive plays. And, and if you're not going to hit every single downfield throw. But it seems like at times – this offense settles way too often. And it's like, just give Rashid Shahid a chance. Just give A.T. Perry a chance. Give Juwan Johnson chances. The Rams were jumping everything underneath. And you were still trying to get that done. And I get it, the offensive line. You know, you know, one of the reasons you have you struggle to hold up, or one of the reasons you go underneath is you're struggling to hold up in pass protection. So you can only do so much. But, you know, I, I think you just got to take chances. And you don't see enough of them. And when you when you did take those chances in this game, it worked out, you know, and, and I think like to, to me, that's my frustration is this, you know, the DA talked earlier this season about how the, one of their identities is that they're an explosive offense. Well, if, if you want that to be true, you gotta, you gotta create explosive plays and you gotta do it more often. And earlier in the game, you gotta set the tone with those types of plays. It can't be a last resort. If you're going to say that's your identity. Um, and so, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna buy that. this that those were not garbage time stats down 23 points in the fourth quarter. It's garbage time. That's the definition of garbage time. Just because the Rams took their foot off the gas and almost almost managed to collapse in a pretty spectacular way doesn't make it any less garbage time. The truth is this. says, Saints fans need their head examined because the Saints still making lots of money on us fans without being accountable. I, I guess. I, I, I don't know. Like, you're still going to go root for the team. You're still, you know, like the – one of the things that's frustrating to me and one of the reasons I, I try to call out toxicity is that like the point of, of football and the point of being a fan isn't to get just angry all the time. Like it can't just be getting angry. You have to be able to enjoy the good times when they exist. Right. And so like, it, you know, part of being a fan is just being part of a community and, 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 and doing that. And, you can disagree with things. You can say, I want this to happen. I want this to happen. But I don't, I personally, I don't like it when it's just constantly, everyone's fighting. Everyone's angry all the time. Even after a win, even after a good game, it's like, well, this guy sucks. Fire this. I just like, personally, I watch sports to enjoy myself. And so that's why, like, I don't know, like the team, the team is out there trying to win. Like, you know, and, and, and like, yeah, you can be mad at the front office but it's the players who end up getting who end up getting who end up dealing with that the most and who end up getting the toxicity and the angry dms and 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 whatever and and i guess because i deal with these guys on a daily basis i get a little i i get i do i am a pro player person 
right? Like that's what people probably need to understand about me is I'm not carrying water for the team, but I do, I am, I don't want to use the term sensitive, but I am aware of the fact that these are human people and they're doing a job. And so when, when I, when you, when you hear me make a take, it's, it's typically going to be rooted in the fact that, that you're coming from a place of like, okay, this is another human being, not a piece on a chessboard that, that you're just going to trash relentlessly without considering that, like, you know, these guys are out there doing what they can. Um, but I, I agree with you. Like you can, I, I don't, I don't fault anyone for, you know, I've had a couple people DM me and say, Hey, you know, my, uh, my dad's been a season ticket holder since, you know, Ricky Williams was here. And, you know, if they keep the A, he's going to cancel a season tickets. Like people are doing that. Right. And you know, that's, that's your prerogative. I, I'm not going to tell you that's, that's a, you, you shouldn't do that. Right. Uh, express yourself in whatever way you can. Um, I'm just trying to explain like why I am the way that I am. <laughs> Because <laughs> I think people misunderstand when when I when I come out with takes as if they think I'm just a homer. It's like no, I mean, I just think that you know when you kind of look at the players as people, you're you're going to be a little less uh, aggressive in terms of how you approach these interactions. Personally, all right, there's like 74 more comments in here, so I'm going to try to get to as many of them as I can. P PBM eight two six four says, "Let the season play out before you call the fire, everyone." And I mean, I don't think you necessarily have to let the season play out before you say, I want everyone fired. But I do think you should understand that the team is going to do that. Like the team is not going to, after every bad loss, fire the head coach, right? Because you do have to, there it ha does have to be a level of, okay, stay the course until you can't, right? Because that course is the course for a reason. Now you can disagree with the reason, but good teams look around the league and show me all the good teams that just fire their head coach mid season uh, because, because of a bad game, right? Like it, it, that's, they, they don't, that's typically not how you operate. And I get it. There's a frustration level involved, but in most cases, well-functioning front offices are not the ones that are firing coaches mid season. If you're, if you're two and 14, if you're where the Panthers are, that's a different story. Right. And, and I get it. Like the saints had an easy schedule and they should be better than they are underperforming is not the same as an outright disaster. And the, the issue with the saints is that you have underperformed for so long that it does feel like an outright disaster. And I understand that I do. D Granger says Tampa is going to slaughter us and Loomis will do nothing to DA. I mean, what, what, what do you want him to do? You have two games left in the season. And, and I do think if, if the Saints do get slaughtered by Tampa, right, like whatever whatever you consider slaughtering to be, right, I think it's just a non-competitive game. I think if you see a repeat of week two, I'm sorry, week four, you know, I, I do think that, you know, you're, you're getting real close. <laughs> and, and then so you're, you're not going to fire a guy before week 18. You're going to let that ride and you're going to make your decision after the season. Uh, but like what, what does do something mean? Like what do you want Mickey to do to, to walk out? on Poydras with a sign, you know, says, this guy sucks. It's not good. Like, come on. I mean, be realistic at least. So D Granger says DA should have never made Taylor a nickel. He's an outside corner, not inside cross forces. Dennis Allen is benching the wrong player. Taylor wasn't performing that badly. So these are two different points. Um, Alati was playing badly. <laughs> so it was Ike, right? Like, so, so it was a lot of, a lot of the defense was not playing well in that game. Um, but, but Alante was, was, was getting 
was getting picked on in that game. There's no question about it. Now, do you need, did you need to bench him? I don't know, but it, he, he was playing badly. Now to go back to the other point, DA should never made uh, Alante and nickel. He's an outside corner, not inside. I mean, I tend to agree, but I also agreed with the idea that Paul Sandivo won that position battle. Now, I personally, and if you go back, roll back the tape, this was me saying this during the bye week after Marshawn got hurt. I said, I think you should shift Alante Taylor outside to, Nick, to, to, the, to the outside corner spot because you have two weeks to do that. You can get him prepared and you go to go Amadi at the nickel because I do agree. I don't think that he's a nickel corner. I think he is an outside corner, but Paulson Adebo was the better option, right? At that point, you had Marshawn Lattimore. And I agreed with the decision to go with Paulson Adebo. And Paulson Adebo has played incredibly well. Paulson Adebo has had a great season. So what are you going to do? Just not put Alante on the field. No. And so that's where you, you tried to make it work with Alante at nickel. It has not worked. And I don't think that that is his future at that position. And I think that's for next season. You go into it and you say, okay, how can we, what do we do? Right. You know, you, do you trade Paulson or Marshawn to try to get him on the field? You know, and that's the frustrating thing is there's only two corner spots and you have three, in my opinion, starting caliber outside corners. Honestly, you have four outside starting caliber outside corners, because I don't think that Alante would necessarily be playing at a, at a significantly higher level than Isaac, than Ike had been. But I do think that you're looking at a situation where, you know, you have a young player who's, who's really losing his confidence and really, you know, and, and he's, this is a guy who plays with swagger. This is a guy who I really like and I think has a future in this NFL. And I worry that what you've done to him this season is just dashing any and all confidence he was able to build last year. And you're going to be starting from scratch next offseason, regardless of what you choose to do with him. And so that's my concern. And, and I, am, I, am, I am concerned about how that, how that goes, because I really like Alante. I think he's a good player. I think they can get a lot out of him. But um, it is frustrating to see what's happened with him. But all right, this is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. Thanks, everyone, who stuck around. Thanks, everyone, who you know, was here to hear me fall and uh, bruise my tailbone, which I'm sure is going to be great to deal with all weekend. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure to let you know in the next episode how that's fair. Um, but, yeah, thanks, everyone. I appreciate everything uh you know rough game rough week saints are seven and eight we got some days off enjoy christmas i'm gonna enjoy christmas um hopefully we come back and we can have some some better conversations <laughs> about this team but as always who that go saints appreciate everyone if you haven't subscribed yet please do that if you haven't rung the bell on youtube do that as well at wwl sports you can follow me on twitter at jeff underscore noak you can follow the latest news notes and analysis at wwl.com and always wwl am 870 fm 105.3 and on the odyssey app all right who that still saying it go saints be y'all peace